What is the Podcast of Matrix? The Podcast of Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. The devil. He's not just in the details, he's inside this episode. That's right. Malbolgia. Lucifer. The desolate one. He who hath horns is inside this episode. But not really. You'd think that a devilishly enchanted snow globe would bring together a snow-globed storm of awesome inside a show like Friday the 13th, the series. But, well, we have some good news and bad news. The good news? The episode was a ton of fun to review. The bad news? Well, we're going to save that for later as we search for the edge of the snow globe inside this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 21. Wedding in Black. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your host. We've got so much to talk about, we're going to skip past housekeeping and get straight to the retell of this episode. Season 2, episode 21. Wedding in Black. We are in Buenos Aires. A man in a light outfit orders a tequila. And a woman walks to his side. Here. Hold my snow globe, he says, apparently speaking Spanish. Captioning would be great here, however, there are no captions here to be found. Oh, is that the mystery of this episode? It's time for sex and a snow globe. They begin to kiss, and then he begins to choke her with gloves he has on. She slumps to the ground, dead, and we've no idea what's going on inside this episode. Later on inside a jail cell, the local authorities have arrived and they've taken the same man in the light-colored suit who reluctantly follows them as he's dragged down a series of stairs into a dark room. It's time for execution for crimes! And slapping! They lash the man to a chair and a priest crosses himself in front of all of them. They connect the man to an ivy drip that begins to drip and drip. I've been your servant. We had a deal. Calvin, I need you somewhere else. 
man, Calvin, the man, dies after being injected with not-so-awesome juice. Now, to Nigeria, where the giraffes live. A different priest, his name is Antonio, is praying all kinds of awesome. Inside that same room is a woman who doesn't want to be touched that way. The now not-so-holy man begins to have his way with her, but is interrupted by men that lash him to the bed, and in walks a dude with a torch. They set the bed ablaze, and the man screams in agony as the bed <laughs> ignites. I need you, Brother Antonio, exclaims a demonic voice to Miami, where a woman has recently been released for killing 17 elderly patients with insulin overdoses. And, you know, she was only trying to help. The woman, whose name is Maya, looks at herself inside the mirror. Then she slits her wrists with a large kitchen knife and then falls to the ground, dead. Come to me, Maya. I need you. Flames usher Maya into a darker place, filled with screams, dark imagery, and the bodies of people that we've seen before previously murdered. It's apparently hell. Maya finds a familiar voice welcoming her and the others into the realm. I offer you a second chance of life. There are three that oppose me. Each shares a past with you. They will pay for their offenses. And in just the first four minutes of this episode retell, you're going to be more entertained than watching this actual episode. Back at the Curious Kid shop, Mickey gets a package from Buenos Aires. It's the snow globe, a magic castle. You see, it's the magic castle from a place where she grew up a long time ago. And hey, it's the man with white gloves who was put to death. He's walking in the front door to the Curious Good shop. Just passing through town, thought I'd look you up. Mickey introduces Calvin Collier, an old friend from school. Hey, Mickey, you and I haven't seen each other in ten years or so. But would you like to leave with me with no protesting from your protective and dear friends here? Huh? And so she does? Off they drive inside the K-car of her dreams. That's just stupid, Mike. I, I am aghast. Not for the first time inside of this episode. Mickey's curious as to why Calvin connected with her again. But first, it's time for a torrential snowstorm. The weather's strange up here. Mickey exclaims. They arrive at the lodge that looks like some old university school that looks just like the magic castle in the snow globe that Mickey grew up with. You know, the one from a long time ago that we've never seen or know anything about. The magic castle, not the snow globe. She didn't grow up with the snow globe. She grew up knowing the magic castle. That's not important right now. No. Back at the Curious Kid shop, in walks Brother Antonio, an old friend of Jack's, who clearly is going to die soon. Oh, wait a minute. He already has. Uh, that's not important right now. Anyway, Jack's heading out with Antonio. You know, a man of God in a monk outfit. What could possibly go wrong? Jack and Antonio are having a conversation as they walk, and whoops, another snowstorm out of thin air? Of course that happens in the middle of Canada. And now, Jack is inside the Magic Castle after surviving the, quote, tale of a tornado. Oh, of course. It's the same place that Mickey was just taken to. Very convenient. 
Ryan peers into the snow globe and looks at the globe. Another visitor walks into the Curious Good Shop. Hey, it's Maya. You know, the lady that died after slitting her wrists after killing 17 people with insulin overdoses. Thankfully, she's an old girlfriend of Ryan's, you know, from five years ago. However, it's clear that they didn't end on the best of terms. And she apologizes for just walking in and asks if they can be friends. Ryan isn't really interested because clearly something is going on. Ding, ding. No shit. Ryan grabs the globe and heads for another room to make phone calls. Calvin arrives inside Mickey's room, dressed to the nines, with a bottle of liquor and a wry smile. He pours, and a toast to whatever brought us here begins the evening. Jack and Brother Antonio arrive inside the facility, and now Jack is also wearing a monk's robe. As Jack and Brother Antonio walk down the hall, they strangely Walk right through Mickey and Calvin? What the hell is going on inside this snow globe? Ryan finishes making calls and strangely can't find the Quiet Springs Lodge to which Calvin and Mickey have dispatched themselves inside the K-Car. It doesn't exist. Ryan is sure that Jack and Mickey are in trouble, but his old friend Maya wants him to talk about other things. Back in the facility, Jack's taking an old man nap in his room, but suddenly starts hearing voices. It's Mickey's voice. He begins wandering down the halls, but finds nothing of consequence, which is a commonly occurring happening inside this episode. I'm looking for substance and finding none. Yeah, too bad for you. Ryan's phone calls continue on and drats! He finds out that Calvin committed murder and was sentenced to death? What the hell is going on here, and why is Ryan still holding that damn snow globe? Calvin continues to woo Mickey in true soap opera fashion. The only thing missing is cheesy music. Oh, there it is. Now we are in full-on soap opera wooing mode. As Jack hears a door down the massive hall slam, he draws closer and hears Mickey and Calvin speaking inside a room. Inside, he finds a goony television where he sees Mickey and Calvin speaking. Jack witnesses that Calvin has the devil's eyes when he sees him inside the television screen. Jack begins a jog down the hall to find Antonio. He finds him and urges Antonio to check out the room and guides Antonio into the same room to find Mickey, whom he walks right through. Brother Antonio finally admits that his master has launched an effort to give them all a more important sense of purpose. Suddenly, Antonio morphs into a burn post-fire demon apprentice, and Jack is forced to witness the show of Mickey's undoing. Everybody got that? Back at the Curious Good Shop, Ryan is sorting through all of Jack's many newspapers from many years ago and finds a note about Calvin. Maya continues to prevent his departure and begins to kiss him, but Ryan won't take the bait and leaves the shop. As Maya's left alone, she touches the snow globe and then suddenly appears inside the giant magic castle. She and the devil have an ongoing conversation that doesn't turn out well. The devil's intent? To make Mickey the mother of his child. The devil begins to make Maya feel unrelenting pain. Get back to work and keep Ryan busy until my child is conceived. Do what I say 
or experience eternal pain. Not too many choices here inside this episode for Maya. Jack begins his escape and finds <gasps> Brother Antonio. Get back to your room, Jack. Mickey and Calvin are outside walking around romantically because who doesn't? It removes his jacket and gives it lovingly to Mickey. And the devil says, Take her. Jack continues wandering through a fake snowstorm and is apparently now being kept inside the snow globe. Ryan returns and he's done the homework. You see, Brother Antonio died years ago. The lodge doesn't really exist. Calvin is dead. Something doesn't add up here. Ryan wants answers. Maya finally admits that the devil sent her. You see, Jack and Mickey and all of our players are now inside the snow globe. You should know this, of course, because Jack is rapping on the glass of the snow globe. I mean, can't we all hear it? I hear nothing. Not a surprise, because guess what? Ryan and Maya don't hear him either. Maya takes Ryan to the real-world entrance of the globe. After they finish a quick fake snowstorm, the devil makes Maya bleed out yet again from the wounds on her wrists. Bummer! Ryan continues on as Maya slumps to the ground in pain and dies. Again! Ryan makes it past the glorious K-car that Calvin cheaped out onto rent to get them there and heads to the giant facility. He screams out for Mickey and Jack. Mickey! Jack! Jack hears Ryan's voice and seeks him out because he too needs release from this episode. Back inside the room, Mickey's downward spiral continues as Calvin works his enchanted wiles. As they begin to suck face. Ryan walks in and finds that Mickey is unable to hear or interact with this world. The devil's clutches are wrapping around her and her path to the dark side is almost complete. Jack and Ryan contemplate their next move. By the way, Ryan, we're inside the snow globe. Again. No shit. Really? Okay, thanks for that. Back inside the room, Calvin carries Mickey to the bed. It's time to do the devilish deed. Jack and Ryan arrive back at the K-car and head to the edge of the snow globe. You know, the snow globe that's circular. It, it's a freaking circle. Where are they going to find the edge of the globe? Uh, that's not important right now. Mickey, back in the room, compels Calvin to not stop. Calvin confesses that he is not the man that she used to know. And things get dark real friggin' quick. Suddenly, the beautiful man isn't. And now, Mickey is atop a bed slash altar with a demonic Calvin presiding over her. She darts off to find an exit, but there is no way out. Calvin declares, She's ready for you, Lucifer. Calvin knocks out Mickey and carries her to the altar. The K-car is speeding around left and right, looking for the edge of the glass. You know, the glass and a globe. A circular globe, a circle. What are they going to find on the edge of the snow globe? There's an edge, I don't know, Mike. But there that's is not important right now. It, there, there's but anyway, ground. They, they there is an edge. They can't find it. It's nowhere to be seen. They can't find it. The devil finally arrives. I have arrived. To take his prize and craft the next unholy generation with Mickey. Mickey is horrified by what she sees and, well, not really. It didn't show anything. 
They could not afford to show me on camera. Jack and Ryan finally hit the side of the globe. Of course they do, because why not? Nick, they hit the side of the globe. Isn't that amazing? Yes, they found the edge. Killer. Awesome. Edge of the snow globe. Right. Check. Sending the globe off the table. As this happens, Mickey is able to escape the devil. The one we've never seen and you won't see either. Ha ha. As the snow globe shatters on the ground, Ryan, Jack, and Mickey arrive conveniently into the Curious Good Shop, where Jack simply laughs off his experience. Later inside Mickey's bedroom, our three heroes talk about what Mickey saw. The eyes, they were so cold. Ryan wonders if the devil will come after them again, and Jack assures them that this is only round one. Every episode of Friday the 13th has goods and bads. It's time to focus on the good. I guess the location? Location was cool. Obviously, they got access to some really kick-ass thing that we can probably access the internet and find out what it was. It was very cool looking. You know what? Actually, it reminded me of the location that they used for the Xavier School Mm. in the prequel movies. Mm-hmm. It almost looked like that's where the Xavier School was in uh, X-Men First Class. Mm. I, uh, of course, I can't be 100% sure without doing research, mm-hmm. but Canada, they shoot a lot of stuff in Canada for movies. I mean, I don't know. Uh, way to paint with a wide brush. That's but, great. But yes, wide, anyway, big, big, giant brush, man. Right. That, that's not important right now. Anyway, the location, check. I mean, awe-inspiring. It doesn't get more awe-inspiring than an entire campus to work on. Mm-hmm. And they utilized it wonderfully. Giant bonus. Awesome. Ammunition to foster the retail. Man. I don't know how to say I'm disappointed in the story beyond it was more fun to write and provide the retail <laughs> than it was to watch this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes. I hate that. We're going to talk about why in depth inside this episode. Ironically, what's going to be funny, too, is that this episode will probably end up being shorter. But it's not because it's so awesome. <laughs> True. We're also going to do something very differently because there's only... Th- this is it. This We're at the end of the goods section, folks. There will not be another one or even a bonus one. The, the rest is... Well, let's just say the bads is a little bit top-heavy on this episode. And you know what? We really do have to ask you guys... What did you find good about this episode? Because we're dry. The chamber's clicking here. There's nothing left. (laughs) And let us know what you think about this episode. Go over to our website right now, over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Every episode of Friday the 13th, the series has goods and bads. We've covered what little goods there were. The the good. The good. Uh, let's take a look at a lot of the not so good. Real life skepticism. Yeah, hey ladies, I'm just curious. When a dude you knew ten years ago appears out of nowhere, thin air, and your roommates don't know who that person is. I'm sure that they just let you go out with them. In fact, probably go out for the weekend to a lodge. Really? And of all the people on planet Earth in this timeline, 
who do you think would be the most skeptical of anything that was outside the norm? And it should be all three of these people. Yeah. And so we're going to get into it in depth, but this is horrifying where Mickey is allowed to just go with this dude. Although has she done that before, I guess, I guess she has. Not like not gone away with anybody. There have been ex boyfriends and ex old friends that could be boy future boyfriends that that have popped up in the show mm-hmm. that have either you know needed a place to crash or hey let's let's go have some coffee or a drink and you know catch up. But we've never had somebody just appear out of the blue and yeah let's just go away for the weekend. What what? Yeah, zany. The only thing more zany. Is when Ryan and Jack go, okay. Yeah, you should totally go, Mickey. We'll, we'll, we'll hold uh-huh. on the shop. <laughs> what? Speaking of which, it doesn't feel very familial. It doesn't feel like they care about her at all mm. with anything that they say inside the written script. It, it's almost like they want to get rid of her. Yeah. And and I don't dig that. It, and and I'm sure that wasn't the intent, but that's what it felt like. Right. It what it what it smells to me like is there are a series of check boxes that have to be met. One, everybody's got to be alone at one point or another. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Write it in quick. Just just get it done. Why don't we have a guy that Mickey used to know? He gets into some trouble and he dies, but then the devil resurrects him, and then he just appears to go get Mickey, and she leaves with him. Cool. Yeah. Check check box. Hate it. The problem is they made the object just a little bit too complicated. Because if you notice during the episode, Mickey touches the snow globe first out of the box when it when it arrives. And then literally moments later, Calvin walks in. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then blah, 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 Calvin and Mickey leave. Then Jack touches the snow globe and puts it down. And then brother Antonio shows up. And it's not until Ryan touches the snow globe that Maya shows up. The fact that these three people from their past all show up in the same location is what makes it completely suspicious. Now, sure, when Brother Antonio shows up, Ryan does go, hey, isn't this kind of a convenient course of events? Yeah. And Jack kind of just laughs it off. It's like, ah, no, it's you know, it's a con- it's a coincidence, but uh, nothing, nothing to be afraid of. Excuse me, yeah, Jack Marshak. Yeah. Out of anybody, should be the most suspicious. Yeah, and I think that the the tilt a whirl that happened inside of the Jack segment of this was it, it was where the program is not being genuine with itself, and that disturbs me as well because of the things that are on the. That are on the super high bar of quality. It's always been the Jack Marshak storytelling, <laughs> right? And and the Jack Marshak storytelling was honored with a snowstorm out of freaking nowhere that doesn't make any sense at all. Can you imagine Chris and, Wiggins looking at the script yeah. and going, "Tail end of a tornado"? What, who the f- wrote this shit? <laughs> that, that that blew me away. And and that that red flags and stoplights and. Uh, warning uh, sirens would not have gone off is totally is totally incredulous yeah it just it shits on everything that this program is with the storytelling especially in regard to jack because jack is the one Mm. if there's going to be a guy that's not going to be taken by something as stupid as an old religious friend jack's not going to be taken by an old religious friend he even says he's a man of god what's to worry about well you know not all men of god are good people 
<laughs> you know, that's this, even besides th- the point. Th- this one's a bit more rapey than others. Exactly. <laughs> uh, a fix to it, though, a fix would have been have these the, the dead people from their past, have them show up to where Mickey, Ryan, and Jack do not know that other people from the other characters' past are showing up. Now there's even more peril. Now there is no, con- it's not a coincidence because they're all not in one place seeing these people show up. Right. It still doesn't fix the the episode as a whole, mm-hmm. but it does fix that that nonsensical of, no, it's okay, go, go ahead and leave with this strange dude that you haven't talked to in 10 years. Yeah, we've got a man that comes back to woo her. Done, we've done that. We've done that at least a couple of times. The difference is that before you could believe the relationships and maybe why Jack and Ryan would let them go have coffee or do whatever. At least it made some sense in previous episodes. Brother Antonio popping up. Okay, Jack's had previous friends that appear in his life. And I mean, we even joked about it inside the retail. They don't usually live very long. Right. But they do appear, except that we've already done that. We've, we've, we've done that where the friend pops up. We've even done it where it pops up and is impacted by less than holy stuff. That's been done also. So two checkboxes where we've already done it. The third one, an old girlfriend of Ryan shows up. This one just turns out to be a Nightingale killer. Okay, I, I guess, but checkbox with the previous girlfriend for Ryan. At least they did it a little bit interesting. It's not somebody that Ryan was actually happy to see. Oh, I dig that. I, I mean, do that, dig that. That is something a little bit different. Usually it would be it would be somebody that he was in love with, and, and it would be easy to just fall back into love, and then he wouldn't be questioning anything. Yeah. And so, I, I guess what that really falls into is, like, if they could have taken one of the three of these and tied it more to one and be more impactful, I, it just seems to me that would have been a smarter way to go. And I Smarter wish way to had. go. Mickey actually goes somewhere... For something, she she goes away and runs into the somebody that she used to know. Yeah. This goes back to the whole concept of keeping everybody separate. Yeah. Jack is also somewhere, and maybe not too far away, but Jack is somewhere, and all of a sudden he's seeing somebody that he used to know. At a conference. But he, but he knows is dead. Yeah. So it's like, this can't be real, blah, blah, blah. And then now we've got Ryan, who, let's say, who's at the shop. And now the ex-girlfriend things didn't end well shows up and now he's dealing with the distraction of somebody that he loved but fell out of love trying to rekindle the spark that makes this episode a hell of a lot more interesting yeah than what we were given yeah you know what's really funny too and i i, I guess it can go down to he continues to pay attention because something doesn't feel right about the whole situation i guess it could fall into that but here listen hear me out I'm Ryan. Both of my dear friends, if not family, have left, not on their own volition, to strange circumstances, and I'm investigating it. And every time I investigate something, the rock I turn over has something unsavory underneath it. Oh, hold on a second. Oh, hey, it's some lady that I don't care about anymore. We didn't continue on anything that was uh, that was worthy ground. Right. You know what? I don't have time for you. Uh, can you call me next week, Thursday? Because I've got a lot of things on my plate. See ya. Closed door in her face. <laughs> Seriously, what what is the priority of Ryan at this point? Because it cannot possibly be Maya. And th- that's the kind of commonsensical stuff. And 
I know everybody's screaming at their at their podcast player. Wilkerson's talking about real when we're talking about a series with devil impacted objects. Hey guys, I get it. But I'm telling you, the faster you bury the strange in with real life circumstances, the more engaging the storytelling gets. And you don't have any of the stuff where inside the retail we go, mm, but that's not important right now. I don't want any life's not important right now moments at all. Storytelling can be a rich, uh, engaging experience, but there's got to be rich, engaging storytelling done right. and not just uh, don't pay any attention to this over here. I don't want that. I, I don't want the tilt moments. I'll take the awe. I'll take the I've never seen that before. I'll take the the judge. Uh, I'll take all that. I will take a reasonable size disbelief pill to enjoy this show. But if you're telling me I have to take something that is so big it has to be a suppository, no thank you. <laughs> Disembodied voice of the devil. Okay, so, first of all, we've got the devil. Cool. All right. The show is about cursed objects that were specifically cursed by the devil. It's nice to see that him actually make an appearance. Oh, wait. He doesn't because it's just a disembodied voice that sounds like it's somebody is trying to do an impersonation of Dr. Claw from the old Inspector Gadget cartoon. uh, You're being far too kind. I know I'm being too kind. I will take any Inspector Gadget Dr. Claw voice ever (laughs) that anybody that's listening to this podcast can do versus what we got. It was terrible. Mm. Uh, that they couldn't find somebody that could give us something more genuine or original or something. So I, I don't even know that I was looking for a booming, dark voice like what you gave. What you gave is stellar. But what else could it be? What, what? I, I think something less obvious would have been more interesting. I totally agree with that. And that's why what we got was kind of this masked, distorted, not deep... El Crapo voice because we need a Crapo voice to fill in. I didn't care for it at all. I don't know if you've ever seen the film. Uh, the film was called The Prophecy, starring Christopher Walken, Eric Stoltz, Elias Coteus. One of the first major films that also had Viggo Mortensen. Mm. Uh, it's essentially the the angels in heaven are are tired of God loving humanity so mm-hmm. much, so there's going to be a second war in in heaven. Uh, long story short, if you haven't seen the film, it, it is, it, it's a tour de force for everybody involved. They give hell of a performances. Vigo Mortensen actually plays Lucifer, who mm. makes an appearance towards the end. Okay. And the way he talks, he talks like this. I love you. I love you more than Jesus. That's creepier yeah. than a booming gravelly voice yes i totally agree. so if we could have gotten something like that i would have bought the whole concept of a disembodied voice i don't like that concept to begin with but i would have been able to deal with it if it wasn't so ridiculous right i I, I totally wanted something different than what we got in regard to the disembodied voice of the devil It, it it missed on every single possibility concept of the episode now let's have a discussion here, because technically speaking, if you boil the concept down, it's not a horrible concept. It's it's been done before. It's been done to death in in horror. Uh, Rosemary's Baby, anybody? I think it gets way too convoluted with the layering of trying to balance the three different storylines where the characters are concerned, and then wrapping it with 
the fact that the devil has now trapped everybody or wants to trap two out of three people in a cursed snow globe and keep Ryan away. But Jack's there, but he's tormented. It's just there's I'm sorry. I think the devil's a little bit smarter. Uh, if he's going to cook up a plan, it's going to be a hell of a lot put more put together than what this episode had. Yeah, and I, I, I think you've hit hit it on the head. Not only would the devil come up with a better plan, it would be showcased better. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to get off on a rant on the concept of the episode. There's something you and I glanced on inside of our preamble for this episode, and I understand that this series is based on objects that have been cursed by the devil check i understand that the devil and or uncle lewis either makes an appearance or has impact on the characters inside this this series okay fine check i'm there there's something about what we're given here though that i'm just i'm not i'm not interested at all Mm. i'm serious like i don't care i don't i don't care that the devil wants to make a baby with mickey yeah aren't there some other people that are like agreeable perhaps (laughs) Aren't there a bunch of people that are in cults and stuff that would be more agreeable to the make the next spawn? The whole aspect of the Antichrist, because it's, you know, Mickey, oh, and this is what I'm going to do to you for foiling my plan so many times. I'm going to make you the mother of the Antichrist. Eh? You know what should have happened in this episode? This should have been another Uncle Lewis episode. Hmm. This should have been Uncle Lewis coming up with some sort of plan. Now, we could still have had Calvin trying to impregnate Mickey with an undead seed that Uncle Lewis could then inhabit so that he could live again. Hmm. Yeah, we're taking, we're taking another disbelief pill, but at least that makes sense in the universe of this show because Uncle Lewis has done some pretty crazy things to try to get his life back. Yeah, well, I think what also... They would have at least shown Uncle Lewis. Right. And we and, get... And we get nothing, which actually leads us to another bullet point inside this episode. Hearing, but not seeing the devil. Yeah, this was this was crap. And I'm not looking for some giant high-end special effects thing to depict the devil. If they'd have just shown some creepy, fiery-looking eyes... In a black background. Yeah. I'm done. Done. There it is. We you don't, don't need to have see the less is more. Right. We don't need to see the, the devil's penis penetrating Mickey to show us the next spawn. Right. And we also but, don't need Mickey just reacting to the camera. Yeah. I, I hated all that. It, it it instantly makes the menace of what's about and should happen. It, it makes it disappear. Show us I mean, she even talks about it. The, the those eyes, the cold eyes. Show us those cold eyes. Show us and any And if that's eyes. all you do, again, I'll say Rosemary's baby. The only time you see the devil is his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And if nothing else, it could have been a nice nod to Rosemary's yeah, baby. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't mind homages at all. In fact, borrowing concepts that are effective, especially when there's a budget involved. Do it. Yes. Do all of that, but make something impressive and original. And I felt nothing inside of this that felt original at all. What is the best representation of the devil that you've ever seen on television or feature film? Nick, what do you got? Al Pacino, Devil's Advocate. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. That movie is way, way underrated. Oh, yeah. I know it gets shat on, not because it's got Pacino in it, but because it's got Keanu. That's got the, that's got the pre-flood Keanu in it. Right. And it gets shat on all the time, and yeah. it shouldn't. Well, it sh- yeah, exactly. It shouldn't. That one's extraordinary. 
The one that rides the top of my list is a movie I've only seen twice ever. And oddly enough, it's also a Keanu Reeves vehicle. How about that? Isn't that funny? (laughs) Inside the movie uh, of 2005's Constantine. Oh, okay, yeah. Which, again, was another totally maligned, reasonably tossed off the edge, don't give a shit about it movie. Yeah. Uh, Inside there, Peter Stormare inside of that film. Oh, yeah. Is tremendous. It, It is the smooth criminal He's literally wearing a white suit. Mm-hmm. He has no eyebrows. <laughs> Traditionally, if you've seen him in other films, he's usually they got some kind of goony accent or something. Yeah. And inside of this, he's just kind of a scumbag. I, I don't know what vision everybody has of the devil, but, you know, devil's kind of a scumbag for me. <laughs> and so it works out wonderfully. The, the attitude that's shared inside of that film, I want all of you to think about who is and what is on the top of your chart. And the ones that Nick and I have talked about, well, guess what? They wouldn't have been any more expensive to present inside what we just saw inside of <laughs> Curious Goods. Yeah. It would have been even cheaper probably because the Canadian actor would have worked for less money. So, again, the not giving us a devil. If the concept, if, you, if we were to go and ask one of the writers, if they go, well, you know, people can come up with their own interpretation. It's much more horrifying than anything we could show you on screen. Bullshit. I don't want to hear that. I want you to give us something. Even if it's just some rubber eyes that have been horrified. Something. Yeah. Give us give us a little so that we can then put our own imagination around it. Right. It feels lazy. You know, I think that's what it gets back to is that while there's all kinds of interesting things flying around here idea-wise, it just feels lazy. The item breaks the rules. Why, Mike, do Mickey, Ryan, and Jack hunt these items down and place them in a vault? Because it can't be destroyed. Exactly. Well, it would seem that this snow globe can easily be destroyed if it's knocked off of a table and shatters to the ground. Only if it's knocked onto the ground by the force of a K-car that is what? Three quarters of an inch big? Yeah. Anyway, th- th- there's something- Now, is that, is that, is that the, the, the workaround for, for the writers, that, that it was destroyed from the inside? From, from within. I don't know. I mean, because it's know. not but, in the manifest. We right. saw that. They, Ryan looked. It's not in the manifest. Here is the magic elixir of any television program you have ever watched- in your life, the instant that you don't care anymore is the instant everything goes to hell. Mm, Haha. Right. And I'm telling you, if I didn't have a retell for this episode, I probably would have stopped watching it and moved on to the next episode. Oh, yeah. And so the I don't give a shit itis of what is conjured by this episode is easily more a problem than even bra- the item breaking the rules is. Because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally so don't care. So to boil what the all of does. this down, you don't. You just don't care. I don't. I the, the how do how do we how do we stop the globe? What 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 would have been the fix? What could Ryan have affected to fix the globe problem? What 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 could he have done? And the answer is nothing. Okay, well I don't care then. It's not a that's not a solution. <laughs> right. No, no, I, 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 I agree. Again, yeah. it really goes down to the fact that this was a poorly written episode. Yeah. 
that really doesn't make much sense, especially when all of a sudden we're able to destroy a cursed object when before we haven't been able to. That was just a small sampling of what we thought were some bads in this episode, but we want to know what you thought could have used a little work inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com, fill out the contact form, and give us your opinions. It's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods Podcast, our review of Season 2, Episode 21, Wedding in Black. We'll be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Corps. Editing podcasts can be rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and they're ready for yours now. Check out editorcore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. Editorcore.com. That's editorcore.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Kids Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, this time season two, episode 21. Wedding in black. Every time Nick and I come back from break inside the Curious Kids Podcast, it's time to unearth our manifest moments. A manifest moment is something inside the episode that was either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element, not likely, or something else that tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Ironically, mine is a storytelling point, or more, maybe more along the lines of a character point. All right. My manifest moment is Maya's change of heart. Ooh. All right. That's decent. 
In fact, she's probably the most compelling character across the yeah. three idiots. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I I can understand the easing the pain of elderly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, she commits suicide. So then, you know, you go into certain religious backgrounds. Suicide is a deadly sin. Therefore, you go straight to hell. Okay. Well, she gets a, a chance to come back. Keep Ryan busy. I give you I give you life again. Well, she can't do it. Ryan is so noble and so just. She just can't do it. And suffers the torment of burning in hell for all eternity. Mm-hmm. Unrelenting by, pain. Blah. Right. Mm-hmm. By helping yeah. Ryan uh, help his friends. Yeah. That right there is something that uh, you don't normally see, especially if somebody... Most most of the people that are sent to hell and they get a chance to come back are all about oh, I don't want to be in hell anymore, and this is just me and my, my the way that I would want to tell a story. The fact that she then I don't know because we get into a gray area because she did kill she she euthanized she she assisted suicide. Let's let's put it that way. The assisted suicide angle was one thing. The fact that she killed herself is what sent her to hell. The fact that she helps Ryan. And, and condemns herself back to hell, I would pull a Constantine, the film, and she gets a, she gets a pass. I would say that, no, she, uh, she got plucked out and doesn't go to hell. But, I mean, that's just me. And Maya is my manifest moment. That, that's very interesting. And I, as you were describing that, I was going to go, that's kind of Constantine. So you're right. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's very interesting. In fact, Constantine might be something we want to put into the perspective review cone. As a movie that's now 15 years old, Jeez. that would be very, very interesting to go back to. Yeah, because again, I, I thought it was a—I won't say it was a sleeper, but it was definitively under radar. And then that a, a two-season series was made. One. No, one season. That I thought I heard that it got accolade. Did I? It was misinterpret good. that. It was good. Okay. The problem. The only reason why it got canceled is because it was also too expensive. Oh well. You know, things happen with budgets, as I'm going to guess probably happened with this show. <laughs> I don't know. They I, spent all of that money on vanity from the previous episode. <laughs> they had no money whatsoever. And all the ideas floated out of the writer's room right, with it. Yeah, right. I, don't, I don't think so. Anyway, uh, manifest moment for this episode. My manifest moment is going to have to be the snow globe. I love the concept of a snow globe, mostly because snow globes in almost every instance are thought of as something is good. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you acquired a snow globe? And the answer from just about everybody is going to be from someplace that evokes childhood or or memories or thick nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. Where it's associated with the holidays and, you know, times that you can only really experience once or... Insert whatever platitude that people think of when they think about snow globes. And so I'm down. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely down. What I'm not down with, one, is what's up with the name of this episode? Wedding in Black. I mean, yeah, okay, I guess it's supposed to be the union of the devil and Mickey, but... It's dumb. You You know what makes it... You know, there's only one thing that makes it dumber? What's the name of the next episode in this season? Ugh, well, yes. Also, an episode that has wedding in it. Right, and... You know, I'm I'm not the master of crafting awesome titles, but I think I have some talent. And so if I was going to name something and make the focus of this episode something as iconic as a a snow globe, why not play on the word globe or the snow globe? Right. How about just calling it the snow globe? We'll let us not forget Night 
hunger. Yeah. Yeah, th- that's very well it said. Makes absolutely no sense the, to the episode. Yeah, the other piece that that my my forlorn for the effective use of snow globe is this is that how about not making it a replica of whatever Mickey remembers as a child? That gets dumb really quick too. Yeah, I mean it really doesn't serve any purpose. I I, I hated all of that. And the faster that they gave me things to hate about the snow globe made me fall into the I don't give a shit itis category much faster as a fan. Yeah. And somewhere inside of storytelling dom, there is a much more effective storytell for a snow globe. I actually think from my child memory, I remember a snow globe and a David Copperfield magic trick, I think. Mm. All right. So thanks to the power of editing and, and podcast magic, Nick and I have just watched a five minute bit by David Copperfield where he refers to a snow globe and being a kid and the, the illusion of thereby being inside of a snow globe. And I don't remember when I saw that, but I know I was really, really young when I saw it. And so when I think of snow globes, I often think of that. The bottom line is that the music, the storytelling, and everything that he gave us inside of that short five-minute segment that we'll leak to inside the show notes was more engaging than anything we just (laughs) saw inside this episode. And that's what I'm talking about. It doesn't need to be wildly inventive. It doesn't even need to capture everybody's senses and knock us for a loop. But it's got to be original. And I didn't feel anything inside this episode was original or engaging. That's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment for this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us, what was your manifest moment from this episode? Vocabulary. It's time for vocabulary. The words that make this episode go as per the brains of Mike and Nick. Our first word is pacing. few things inside of modern day storytelling, especially inside of the televised, cinematic, or streaming universes, is important to me as pacing. Mm-hmm. If you give me something, even of some, something that I have absolutely no interest in, but you provide me with something that has decent pacing, it's likely I'll watch it. Right. And that can be across the board. I'm, I'm trying to think of the thing that I most don't care about, beyond this episode, that is, <laughs> uh, that you, you'd you have to cajole me to watch. And whatever it might be, the bottom line is that if it contains something with v- viable pacing, I will likely watch it. For those that aren't familiar, pacing is, uh, according to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, pace is listed as the rate of moving. And they're not wrong. Well, it's definitely a little bit more than that inside of advanced storytelling, especially something like a television show. The bottom line is that pace will out. You and I have, I don't know that we've ever not talked about it, but inside of all of our reviews, whether it's for television shows, for feature films, for streaming media, the bottom line is that pace will out. Mm-hmm. The second word for this episode is... Cliché. Cliché, according to Google, is listed as a phrase or opinion that is overused and betrays a lack of original thought. I don't know that we couldn't take this definition and replace it with our entire review and not get the same effort. (laughs) Because it's totally true. Not original. Lots and lots of overused crap inside this episode. Mm -hmm. 
And it betrays, in my opinion, the audience. Because we've seen it all. Give us something that we haven't seen. It doesn't have to be blow our socks off original. But giving us anything that might be original, I would really appreciate that as a viewer. Right. That's where we ask you guys, what vocabulary words would you put to bear inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what vocabulary words were sparked inside your brain. Episode rating. Ah, the rating for this episode of Friday the 13th, this series. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap giving us an interesting story to be told with a glorious snow globe that evokes nostalgia, interest, and viable storytelling. A one is at the bottom of the heap, becoming the devil's concubine. I hate it when that happens, Nick. If, I, ha- if I had a dollar <laughs> for every time that happened to I'll me. I'll buy that for a dollar. Everything starts at a seven is an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick... There are no Habsies. Nick, what have you got? I think we have spent <laughs> enough time. Far too much time. Far too much time talking about this episode and its lacklusterness. Simply because there is the interesting character turn of Maya. Instead of giving this the absolute worst rating it could possibly get, I'm going to rate this episode a two. You know, I think I've seen the light of your little tiny piece of shiny, bright, awesome that turned... No, screw that. It's a one. There needs to be way more done with a property like this, with the rich characters that have been developing for two entire seasons of this show to pull out something like this out of the the devil's butt crack. That's what we should have called this episode. The Devil's Butt Crack episode. How about that? The Devil's Butt Crack. See, it works. It almost sings. That's amazing. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season 2, episode 21. Wedding in Black. Let us know what you think by going to our website over at CuriousKidsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us what you think. All right, well, yet another episode of Friday the 13th, the series reviewed and under the belt. Nick, Nick, I see you've got a bag there. What's in the bag? Well, Mike, I figured we would need this. Mm -hmm. I've brought with me one of my favorite snow globes. Oh, wow. It's got a little heft to it. It's definitely, wow, it is heavy, dude. It is cursed. All right. So therefore, cannot be broken. Got it. Got it. What I propose... Can, can you and I get into a little mini K-car and drive to the edge of it? To, oh, no, don't no? be, don't be okay, stupid. never mind. That's not important right now. No, it's not important right now. What I propose, though, is that we take this unbreakable snow globe mm-hmm. and bash each other in the head... Oh, hey. ...until we can forget all about this episode. Dude, sign me up. All right, you're down, I'm, I'm down. down. All Let's right. do this. Brace yourself. All right, mm-hmm. Oh! All right, your turn. All right, all right, and oh, how's that? You doing okay? You you still remember it? I I I, I do. We're gonna have to keep going. Hit me okay, again. all right, here, here, here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh! Nope, nope. 
still still remember All everything. Right, you hit me again. Uh, Ow! Uh, how you doing there? No, yeah? I can't remember my third birthday, but I still remember this episode. Oh. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. The devil went down to Canada. He was looking for some tin bits to eat. Wedding in black. All right. Sound from Nicklage. I've never been to Canada, but I've always wanted to go. And probably will go someday. All right. Canada's worth your time. You should go. I may not leave. You'll leave. It's too Ah. cold. Sorry. I see. I don't mind the cold. I don't like the heat. That's why I'm never going to Florida. Mm. It's fucking hot there. I yeah, I don't like humidity. <clears throat> All right, a giant, a giant, a giant priest. <laughs> oh my god, it's a giant <laughs> priest. Appropriate for all the giraffes that are in Nigeria. <laughs>